welcome to Big Blend Radio's Food, Wine, and Travel Show, where we go across country and travel the world with members of the International Food, Wine, Travel Writers Association. Let's go. Welcome, everybody. Today, we are going on a Southwest road trip with Julie Diebolt Price. She is an award-winning professional photographer. She's an author, a travel writer, an educator. She writes about photography and travel, of course. And I think just about every time she's on the show, there's some kind of road trip involved. Um, One time it's Wisconsin. uh, One time it was up in uh, Oregon and also kind of the Shasta area of California. Um, was it or it is it was the Shasta area not Oregon Shasta. but close yeah but close on the border and, uh, mm-hmm. on the border but keep up with her at phototravelright.com and she's got an article about her road trip that I will link to from the show notes so wherever you're listening from look at the show notes um, we're going to talk about the destinations but really look at the hotels that she stayed in because they're unique hotels uh, not your run-of-the-mill hotel whatsoever And it's always interesting to hear about unique lodgings because those like bed and breakfasts are that kind of thing, too, where they are part of the experience. So welcome back, Julie. How are you? Oh, thank you, Lisa. Great to be here. And I'm very well. Thank you. Well, good, good. You went on a cool road trip. You know, we love the Southwest. We used to be Southwest Blend and um, our hearts and souls are still in the Southwest and um you went from your base in Phoenix now. That's why I was talking about Oregon. And we're mm-hmm. in Oregon right now. Um, but you you did a trip going from Phoenix through Albuquerque to Golden, Colorado, Boulder, Colorado, Denver, Santa Fe, uh, New Mexico, and then back down to through Albuquerque where you stayed at Hotel Chaco, which I'm excited to hear about because I think we were there just maybe a year or two after they – because it's a new hotel it's after it's been built. Mm-hmm. And you got to stay there. Yes, that's Lottie Daw. It's cool. Tell <laughs> yes. people about. Let's go backwards a little bit because you kind of you did go through Albuquerque first, but um, yeah, tell us about that hotel because what interests Nancy and I. We've seen the outside of it, but the inside apparently this is designed to be in the style of Chaco Canyon. Uh, Chaco uh, Cultural National Historical Park is really a unique place where you go see these ceremonial sites, which are these perfect circles. It's amazing. Um, so it's it's, um, it's supposed to be designed after that, right? Yes, very much. Um, they sent the architects or the architects went to Chaco Canyon and studied it extensively. And they built Hotel Chaco with so many aspects and so much reverence for Chaco Canyon. Uh, the front door of the hotel is unique because if you stop and think about it, every hotel that you go to has big glass doors as you enter. Well, Hotel Chaco has black doors. It's like black on black. And that's reminiscent of of Chaco Canyon and how they built their entryways and the black on black design of their pottery so it starts right at the front door when Mm. you walk in the entrance hallway there is um, a representation of fire 
They burned sage twice a day. On the opposite side of the hallway, and it's a small hallway, it's narrow, it's not giant. Um, They have uh, rocks with Mm -hmm. a little trickle of water. It's so minuscule that you can hardly see it, but you can see that it's shiny. And that is reminiscent of the preciousness of water in the desert. Mm -hmm. And moving further, if you look up to the ceiling, there is a very graphic, colorful painting. The the, um, The bricks in Chaco Canyon used to be painted. And so the beams and the ceiling are painted in that style Mm. then when you get into the lobby there is a statue in the center but the lobby is round and the walls are made of stacked bricks and it is the exact size of i think it's called the grand kiva at chaco canyon And there are alcoves up above with artwork, and it's lit so you can see it. And so it's it's very simple, yet elegant. And if you haven't even been there, you get a sense of what it's like at Chaco Canyon. Mm -hmm. No, it's really true about the Kiva, too. It's pretty amazing. And not Mm. far from Chaco and Aztec is the Aztec Ruins, which is... Where uh, the ancestral, the Pueblo people actually lived. Mm-hmm. And then they would go to Chaco for their ceremonies, which was all about celebrating the solstice. So oh, yes. we all think, we think it's still, it's a, it's a mysterious place. Yeah. Nobody really knows. And there is a water source. There's also a, a dark sky park. Um, oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Which is really cool. But um, they're really right about that. And, you know, you just have to go. But I think what's interesting, Nancy and I have seen the hotel from the outside and we went to the sawmill across the way there, which I love. It's one of the best food halls ever. It's so mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. And there's other things in there too, besides food. Um, but the outside reminds me of Chaco, the outside with the way the, the, the rocks are put together. I don't even mm-hmm. say bricks because it was like bricks, but it, it, it Chaco is like going to, you know, the ancient ruins. Right. <laughs> they're, they're stones. They're uneven. They're um, mixed sizes, but they're stacked so perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, and I love it because, you know, Chaco is not far from Albuquerque. And I like Albuquerque. Did you have a good time there? Oh, I've been there several times. And yes, I've, I always enjoy going there. Well, tell me about this flamenco experience you had. Ah, okay. So the sister hotel next to Hotel Chaco is Hotel Albuquerque. And they are the home, the performance venue, if you will, of Tablao Flamenco. And I had the pleasure of interviewing uh, the, the woman that started flamenco and brought it to life here in america she's centered there in albuquerque and that's where she grew up 
uh, I asked the first question I asked her in the interview was, why did you choose Albuquerque? Well, her family lived there. Her mother was a flamenco teacher. And so Ava learned flamenco from her. And, and I don't know if your listeners know, but flamenco is a UNESCO art form because it's unique and it came from Spain and they used to call them gypsies. They call them Roma now. And yeah. Yeah. So the Roma, uh, created it. And if you've ever watched a flamenco performance, it's very emotional and lively and loud. And it's just amazing to see and hear it. So the, the office is just a block away from Hotel Chaco and it's in the sawmill district. And so, if you've seen Hotel Chaco, you've actually seen the next door hotel, which is Hotel Albuquerque, where they perform on the flamenco mm. stage. So it's all very interrelated. And and it's the it's like the capital of flamenco in North America, I believe. Like yes, it's one it of is. the biggest places for flamenco and level five restaurant. We didn't do that. We're we're a little, you know. We're going to have to catch up on this. Oh my um, gosh. Albuquerque yeah. experience here. Yeah. So that's the restaurant that's inside Hotel Chaco. Yes. It's on the fifth floor and it's not called level five because it's on the fifth floor. It's hmm. called level five because that was the top floor at Chaco Canyon. Hmm. And I learned oh, that's that. Right. That's right. That's right. You heard it? <laughs> okay. No, no, go ahead. No, tell, oh. I, you, you just reminded me that, yes, we didn't do that hike, but that was up there. Yeah. Okay. There's like a hike, I think, where you can see that if, if I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Oh. But yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Carry on about that. So I, uh, part of what I did on this trip was interview the executive chefs because I'm starting to, uh, write a, a do gourmet travel. I write enough about food and wine and, and, cocktails and adult beverages and so i'm actually uh, designing a, a section on my website called gourmet travel and cool. so uh part of my destination research is to interview executive chefs and so uh chef mark quinones uh, is, I don't think he's been there quite a year, maybe just a year at level five. And he has brought it up to exemplary standards because my husband and I were in Albuquerque a couple years ago and ate at level five and we were very disappointed. And so I hadn't met Chef Mark. As they call him Chef MQ. Uh, I hadn't mm-hmm. met him yet nor spoken to him. And I can see all of his hand in the menu and the dinnerware. And uh, he cooks in the style of the ancestors there, like uh, bison, buffalo, um, and the style. He cooks over a grill a lot Mm. and um 
very creative combinations. So anyway, he's the one that told me about the naming of level five. And and tell us a little bit about level five. So that's the, oh. because I, I, as I recall, when we were up there, when we, we went hiking around, we took a, a tour and we were more on the lower le- elevation, but there was this other hike. And that's what I recall, remember something about level five being up there or something like that. And maybe I'm wrong, but there was this whole other, and we were there in the middle of summer. So it was oh. one of those where like, there's the shaded picnic bench that we're going to <laughs> just saying, you know, yeah. um, but, but it got down in the forties and fifties at night in the summer. So that was crazy. Right. Um, but is that what it was like part of the ceremony, one of those ceremonial structures were up at the top there, I think. Yes. Yes. That's where we went. We didn't hike yet, yet. So I want to go back. Yeah. I want to, I haven't been there yet myself. Well, I'm telling you when you go, um, definitely get your maps out because Nancy and I got lost getting back to Albuquerque and ended up um, way far away. Uh And um, let me tell you, Northern New Mexico, don't let your tank go below half a tank. Keep filling up. Right. Go to the the rest area too. Um, Oh yeah. (laughs) I'm just saying, but we saw wild horses. um, They're more like ponies. um, And uh, we, we saw it was the most beautiful drive. I love when that kind of, it's serendipity when you yes. get lost to me. Right. And it was so beautiful. And, you know, we had such a wonderful time, but we were staying in Gallup and mm. um, at the El, El Rancho, I think it's a very historic, historic, historic inn um, mm. where all the Western uh, movie film people stayed. And so we were in Gallup and um, we ended up having it. I mean, that's how twirled around we got from Chaco if everyone looks at the map. I still don't know what we did, but we ended up way east of Albuquerque and Gallup mm-hmm. is near Albuquerque, but um, we went way, 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 way out of the way. But <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, we got it. But it's so it was beautiful. And I love that they're putting, you know, that the hotel is there to kind of showcase the heritage of the area. And I think that's what's so interesting about New Mexico has, you know, they have that hashtag New Mexico true, that campaign. Yes. And I think, you know, they really have as a state done really well of showcasing and promoting and maintaining the integrity of the people of the state mm-hmm. and multicultural, you know, ways, you know, yes. Santa Fe is very Spanish too. When you went to Santa Fe, mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm detouring your road trip here. Oh, that's fine. Going backwards. I'm in Santa Fe. So you went to the inn and spot Loretto, which we haven't done. But um, did you go to the chapel while oh, you were Oh, yes. There? Oh, yes. Tell so us about that. Yeah. The, okay. Uh, the thing is, if you stay at the inn and spa at Loretto, you get a free pass to go into the Loretto chapel. So uh, you want to make sure to do that. And it's right next door. Um, I could have probably spent all day there because the staircase is this mysterious staircase. I don't know if you've heard about that, but they built in the chapel, they built a balcony. And the no one, the nuns, didn't have any way to get to the balcony. And so they prayed for someone to give them access. 
I'm kind of glossing over it. Mm-hmm. But this carpenter showed up and built it for them. And he disappeared. He didn't take any money. And it's a mystery because it had no support on the any supports on the wall or anything. It just maintained, he built it in such a way that it just, you could access, you could go up the stairs, this circular staircase. And so that still remains a mystery. Now they have, they, the chapel, have attached it with supports to the wall now because, uh, and they don't, you can't, go up there because they're preserving it and uh but it's it's remarkable to Mm. actually see this staircase and wondering how it could possibly support itself let alone people walking up it to get to the balcony but it's 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 a miracle they call it like it's like a miracle miracle. yes Yes. it is a miracle stopped at the at the um church and we did peek in there and i think it was part of our um we did a food uh walking food tour mm. um of santa fe which was absolutely fabulous mm-hmm. um and so much fun we were silly it was it was fun they give you margaritas everywhere you go and it was oh. really fun i know <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh yeah give me a half portion of a margarita that doesn't work it was fun uh, but <laughs> Um, but yeah, but the Inn and Spa, what was the hotel itself like? Because it's kind of attached and next to it, right? It's right next door. It's not attached, but um, it's so close. There's a perfect view of it from the dining room, the Luminaria dining room. The mm-hmm. best seats in the house are looking out across the courtyard. There's a big fountain between that and the back of Loretto Chapel. And in good weather, you can actually sit out in the courtyard and they have gorgeous draperies and stuff. It's really beautiful. Uh, but the weather has to be warm. When I was there in October, it was too cold to actually be outside and dine outside. But I was fortunate uh, when I was interviewing the executive chef there Mm -hmm. he made sure I had the best seat in the house just so I could see out in the courtyard and it was it was amazing so I did get a tour of Mm -hmm. the inn and spa at Loretto and Mm -hmm. it's quite historic it's um one of the most photographed buildings in New Mexico And in the, so they were just starting to put up the luminarias, you know, the little bags. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I was just too early. They don't turn the lights on there until I think it's Thanksgiving weekend. So I was about three weeks too early and I, they were up around the edges of each balcony and it was just, it, I, I could tell it would be gorgeous. So they have rooms and suites for guests and it's quite a popular place for uh for weddings they have a big courtyard out in back it for good weather uh they were just mm. updating 
or remodeling the pool. And, uh, when I say remodeling, it was a complete redo. And they let me, they led me out there to see it. And I just didn't take any pictures of that because it, mm-hmm. it was not far enough along, but that's going to be gorgeous once they get all the shrubbery in and, and all the work done on that. Um, they have, just off the lobby, they have what's called the living room. And there are tables. You can have cocktails and happy hour. There's a giant bar there with practically every kind of wine and spirits you can imagine. And they have small plates. The reason I actually stopped there and stayed there is because I met the executive chef when I was in Albuquerque two years ago. He oh, wow. he transferred to Hotel Albuquerque. And that's when, you know, he was working in the Tablao Flamenco. And I said, I want to interview you. And then he got promoted to executive chef at the inn and spa in uh, Santa Fe. And so I'm kind of, I don't want to say I'm stalking him, but I followed his career (laughs) and, and had the pleasure of sitting down with him and talking about his career and his goals and his legacy and the the things that he cooks. And um, it was a fabulous experience. So anyway, I had a tasting menu while I was there in the Luminaria and some of the small plates he also serves in the living room and it's just a fun place. It's, it's got couches. It's got a skull with giant horns of a, Oh, a long horn. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. They a do have a cow. cow. Yeah. The cattle. Yeah. No, cattle. they do have them out there. Believe it or not. They do have long, I've seen longhorns up in Northern New Mexico. Ah. Uh, you're in central, but they, they, I've seen them out there out in the ranges. Like, Near oh, Fort yeah. Union, actually, which isn't too far off. It's all part of the oh. Santa Fe Trail, actually, which mm. is right where you were. You're right off the Santa Fe Trail, right? That's what's interesting. You were in Route 66, you know, when you were in Albuquerque, uh, you were not far from Route 66, where you were <laughs> at Hotel Chaco, and the same thing at the Loretto um, and in Spa. You're right off of Route 66, plus the Santa Fe Trail, both of them, which is pretty cool. Yeah, well, the inn and spa at Loretto is on old uh, Santa Fe Trail Street or Road or whatever. So yeah, it's, yeah, so yeah, on it, yeah, it's on it. Yeah, it's it's so cool to have that history. Now, while you were there, did you you got to go to Georgia O'Keeffe Museum, right? Yes, that was one cool. of the absolute things that I had to do. And being a photographer, I studied her some, not a whole lot. But that woman was so talented, not only in photography, but in art and in just her style. Just I an agree. amazing woman. I, You know what? I didn't, you know, that museum does a good job on her, um, on what she, her life and legacy and her art and how open-minded she was. You know, yeah. she was very open and um, and explain, listen, her flowers are not all about the female parts. I'm just saying she was mm-hmm. into bones. She was into so many things. And one thing I thought was very, I mean, wasn't her boyfriend a photographer, right? Yes, he um, was. And her, the one thing I thought was so great is they, 
you know, not just talks about her legacy, obviously Abiquiu and, and all of that too. Uh, she's, you know, prominent out there, but they mm-hmm. talked about, you know, where she lived. They talked about her life in New York City. We forget about that, you know, right? Um, what she did, you know, as a young woman in, in New York City. She, you know, she's she's done a little bit of everything and she did travel quite a bit too, mm-hmm. from what I gathered from the museum. But she has far more than flowers. She is not. Oh, yes. His, <laughs> that that that's so important to bring out and um what my hard thing was i wanted to photograph everything in the museum and you're not allowed to unless it's just for like personal stuff and social media stuff but you know what i mean it's you know yeah yeah very you know you want to photograph everything but santa fe by the way travel writers make sure you don't you know like the uh, palace of governors and stuff don't just start photographing people without asking permission of the people there's mm-hmm. a respect thing that happens in Santa Fe and, and is important. Um, San Miguel church. This is iconic too. You got to go there. Yes. Um, it's not, it's like a block away from the inn and spa at Loretto. And it's, it's a remarkable active, still active church, but there's a bell in there a giant bell and it's hard to know if it's from 1300 or 1800 and we think it's 1800 but the eight looks kind of like a three that's that's um melded into it but what's unique about this church they still Mm -hmm. have services there but in the floors in several places cut out of the floor they have lights and it's covered with glass so you can look into the holes and see steps that the ancients used like in 1300 that's amazing it's truly amazing santa fe is so the history is insane it is Mm -hmm. very multicultural yes european spanish mexican native american you know Mm -hmm. it's just um vibrant that way and there's a lot of respecting of each other there too. And yes, and it's just, when you start, when you talk about that kind of, I mean, I think the oldest hotel is there too. Um, the actual oldest inn, and then you've got Harvey house things. You've got Los Alamos around the corner where, you know, the atomic bombs were being made. Right. I mean, Bandelier, not far, right. Either. Mm. So that's also very cool. Uh, national monument. So um, it, it's just, it's just, um, it's a special, special place. Albuquerque, Santa Fe, mm-hmm. Gallup, that whole area just has this vibe of like, woo, something went down. And no, not something. A whole bunch of stuff went down. Yeah. So, I mean, Fremont and Kit Carson went through there. And I mean, the yeah, Santa Fe Trail to me is huge. That's one yeah. of the most important things. And I know? find myself keep uh, keeping going back to that area. Yeah. And and of course, Albuquerque with a hot air balloon fiesta. Um, when I was there last year, the, the weather was terrible and you can never count on perfect weather to have, uh, the balloons fly. And mm-hmm. I don't mean last year in 2023. I mean, when I was there in 2022 and, Every time I go to Albuquerque, there's always something to see, something new, something old. There's a lot of uh, entertainment for families and 
uh, and solo travelers and uh, history and new stuff. So, mm. yeah, I, I, I love that you bring that, that up. Because um, the hot air balloons, yeah, things happen. I mean, and if you're like Nancy and I, we go around looking for wildlife. You can go to the most prominent places in the country and get there and like too bad for you today. Um, (laughs) But there's always something. You just got to keep your eyes open. But Albuquerque, Mm -hmm. there is. I mean, you can at least go to the hot air um, balloon museum. I believe they have a museum there. Mm -hmm. We haven't done that yet. There's a turquoise museum. There's a ton of museums. In Santa Fe, you can't... it. The Folk Art Museum, to me, was one of my favorites in mm. Santa Fe, the Folk mm-hmm. Art Museum, it, because it takes you, it's all this cultural art from around the world. Mm. And it was just like, can I just stay here all day long? Mm-hmm. And because that, to me, is just one of those museums, I think. And then also the Capitol building oh, itself yes. is, mm-hmm. is a art gallery with, you know, representing, I think, like 300, I think it's six, 600 pieces of art and 300 artists from the area represent i'm going to be wrong somewhere on that but um the public art in albuquerque is insane Mm -hmm. the public art trail i mean you could go around we tried and there's no way there's just so much art yeah you know it's that's a good thing on road trips so public art don't you think it kind of like sometimes you don't get to stay in a place as long as you want to but the public art gives you the the experience of things that you may not, you know, that you're going to want to experience later, or maybe at least gives you insight to the history. Right. But I have already made my reserva- hotel reservations for the Indian market next or this coming oh, August. Wonderful. That's have you exciting. been there? Have you? No, I haven't. Okay. We have not attended the event. No, that's a big deal. Yeah, it that's is. a big deal. So- very cool. Very cool. Yeah. So now we're going to move on to Denver. We are doing your road trip backwards. Backwards. You know? That's fine. <laughs> hey, why not? Why not? Yeah. Everybody, and everyone, again, the link, um, if you go to Julie's website, again, it's uh, phototravelright.com, the link uh, directly to her section. You know, this, as articles get published across the country and in different outlets, you'll see them pop up on this section. So archive it. Um I mean, you can see, you know, her whole route and everything on there. Uh, but let's go to Denver. You know, Denver is very iconic. And um, but you got to go to the Maven Hotel. You went to the Union Station. See, train stations are always good. Right. Um, that's yeah. a huge deal. Um, the Milk Market. That's another food hall. So you went from. You, OK, so you went from the Milk Market to the, to the <laughs> sawmill. So <laughs> this is great. So what's their food hall like? Okay. It was the, I don't want to say the first time because I've been to the sawmill a couple of times, but the milk market, well, let's step out a little bit. The dairy block, that's what we have to talk about first. Okay. Because this whole block used to be the dairy industry for the area. And now it is the most eclectic popular interesting block that i've ever been to the yeah it's and unfortunately i was only in denver for like one overnight because on this road trip i i needed to beat this the snow the snow Mm -hmm. was coming and i was late in the season so (laughs) i I have no idea what you're talking about (laughs) just kidding after what we did in oregon but yeah carry on sorry yeah yeah that's okay um so um so yeah every place is quick i understand that and but you can 
I think that's what's interesting about your itinerary. You still managed to do something, even if you were there. It's like, here's your one overnight. But if right. you can get to a place like the dairy block, then you you can do yeah, something you can, immediately. You can eat and drink and stay all in one building. So um, I was there at the end of the season, and I wanted to do a, a ride in a rickshaw. Because they oh, take cool. you around to the public art, the the uh, murals, and I, you know, I'm into murals and I'm into public art. Oh, me too. And I was the only one registered for that day, and so of course they couldn't run that that tour. And there was another tour. I can't remember what I was booked for, but also the same thing. I was the only one. And so if you're going to go to a destination like this, best not to go at the tail end of the season if you want to do some okay. of the the tours. But and so but I was totally entertained in the dairy block. And they have art, public art inside the building, around in the alleyways, flowers and murals. Um and they they change out the murals periodically, so it's constantly changing. And they have a fabulous place where you can stand under the quote-unquote artwork of milk pouring out of a milk can, which mm. I did. And <laughs> I it's like it's falling on my head. So it, great places for selfies. And so that's the the dairy block also there's art uh, from there's musical art where you turn these wheels and the symphony plays and it's the local symphony that's recorded it and it's like a gramophone and you turn it and it plays so a lot of interactive stuff cool so that so the maven is a hotel they call it upscale but um it's not upscale like I had in the luxury hotels in Boulder and um, Golden. This is more for millennials where mm-hmm. it's minimalistic. And the balcony, I'm sorry, I didn't go out on the balcony. I stuck one foot out so I could take a picture. But She's like, it's cold. <laughs> but the balcony is, there are no supports under it. And there are all these little balconies on the side of this building. And I was on the fourth floor. Of course, they give you the best room in the house when you're uh, traveling like this. And so anyway, uh, it's very convenient. There are restaurants down below. There are big tables, like library tables in in the lobby. And there's artwork in the lobby. And people come there to work you they're all on their computers it's like a workspace and then up above in the other like in the center of the building it's a an office building and so you come in the lobby and you take the elevator up to your office or whatever upstairs on the opposite side of the building is the milk market and that is the food hall where there's a stall for upscale wines there's um i think i finally 
picked the fish and chips place. There's a barber shop in there, you know, the old fashioned kind with the, that blue and red stripe thing that goes around. There is a tiny Michelin one star. They just got their Michelin star restaurant in there. It is so small. You have to make reservations far in advance. And I got to speak to the owner and just delightful people. And so anyway, you go to these food stalls, you, you order your food and then you take it to a table, uh, spread throughout. So you're not sitting inside of a restaurant. You're sitting in the food hall and it's open and very interesting and lots of different foods. Wow. I, you know, I'm, we haven't spent time in Denver yet, Nancy and I, but I mean, for listeners and everybody, this has got to be like a a really cool experience. Oh, it is. It is. And it's just a short walk, maybe two or three blocks to Union Station. Mm, So if, if you take the train to Denver, um, Mm. it's very historic. There's restaurants and bars and of course, reserve seating in the lobby for travelers. It's historic and they try to preserve the history and there's a hotel there. I can't remember right now what the name of it is, but, um, there's so much history. I like it when you're on a road trip, you're, you're doing your driving. And then once you park the car, don't make me get back in. Like that's oh, yeah. how I feel. I don't, I don't want to have to play DoorDash either. No offense to DoorDash. I just, I want, I just, you know, of course there's Ubers and everything, but it's just nice to be able to get your stuff in, kind of refresh, maybe have a glass of wine first. Of course. And then, you know, and then you go, okay, I'm ready for the world. Let's go, you know, on the fourth, fifth wind and go for it and go see what you can experience, but also not have to feel like you have to drive or have to, I understand call the Uber and everything, but I just like to be able to walk from the hotel to wherever I'm going. I love that. I mean, not everywhere can do that and that's fine. And I love those places too, but it just went on a road trip. You don't want back in a vehicle. I don't. I want out. I want, Mm -hmm. I want to see the murals. I want to walk. My body needs it. Mm -hmm. It's like, you've been cramped up. I don't care how big your car is. It's still crampy. I don't care if you're on the train, you need to walk, you know, you've been sitting. So right. yeah, walk, stretch your legs and have a drink, have some food, then walk it off. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it feels good, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just fun. So that you've given me a whole different perspective of Denver than what we've ever covered. I love it. I, I'm so excited to hear about this. Oh, good. Um, I want, yeah, no, it's, it's super cool. I want to go up to Boulder Uh, Boulder. Oh, Boulder is so cool. Um, We haven't been able to spend a lot of time in Boulder, but it's laid back, hippy dippy. No, I shouldn't say that hippy dippy, (laughs) right? It isn't. Is it? Is it, do you think? It's known for their liberal point of view. I shouldn't say hippy. Am I going to get in trouble for saying hippy dippy? I mean that in a good way. My mom is a hippie, so, you know, (laughs) I've got a hippie heart, you know, I just don't wear flowers that often. Well, I'll tell you, it did remind me of of Portland, Oregon, Ah, with the the style of clothing and hair and and that. And I think it's nice. I like it. And, you know, they've got a reputation for being very liberal, except that they were a dry city for 60 years. 
Dude. So, so let me ex- explain. The Hotel Boldorado is, I think, celebrating 120 years this year. In wow. 1909, January 1st, they opened and they were supposed to do a champagne toast as was the tradition mm-hmm. for opening hotels. Well, there was no champagne because you couldn't get it. There were no bars. It was a dry town. And it wow. stayed dry for 60 years. And so in their recent history, they're, uh, of course, I, I don't think they're, they have blue laws anymore, but it's quite a dichotomy if they were dry and didn't allow drinking in the town for all those years, yet they now they have a very liberal reputation. It's it's really kind of funny. Wow. So, but yeah, I mean, because I think they were the ones who started off with weed, right? Didn't they start? They were the first legal weed. Oh, was I don't it, know. It was either Boulder or Breckenridge. I don't want to get it wrong. Yeah. Well, I'm, now I didn't now hear you, that. Every time I go through Colorado, I remember the first time, like after everything was legal, oh, and you hear all right. the ads and you see all the billboards for um, pot, and they're yes. hysterical. I mean, the ads and everything. Now we see it everywhere in the country, but it was so new and different. And it's like, here's the happy camper. I, I remember that, and Nancy and I are like, that's funny, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I'm, you know, it's like it, whatever floats your boat. I'm not, I'm not against any of it. You know, I just mm-hmm. want everybody to be, um, you know, happy. And I think they yeah. are, um, you know, so, <laughs> but, you know, I was, I'm just, I'm, now I'm having to say who was the first legal weed place in the country, but it was legal years ago. Um, it was in Colorado. Now that you mentioned, I'm thinking, yeah, yeah I'm just going to see what I know. Um, who was the first, okay. It was first used in the, okay. I, don't get me all started on now. Now my Google history is going to be full of weed. Um, that's Uh-oh. okay. Uh, you know, it's all right. Go, you know, sue me. Um, but this is interesting about that. So you get the, we did this in, um, hot Springs, not hot springs, excuse me, little rock, Arkansas. Mm. We went to, um, little, uh, uh, rock town distillery. They are not that old and they were the first distillery in the state of Arkansas mm. after prohibition. Mm. That, I mean, it was, I think if they were 10 years old, I, I mean, it was a, you know, a corporate dude who said, you know, I'm sick of corporate life and decided I'm opening a distillery. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm with you. And I remember it was like the spur of a moment. We went into, I mean, you have to go to the distillery, especially with that history. We walk in and next thing you know, we're doing an interview and he's giving us all these tastes. And halfway through, I couldn't even speak. I'm like, we're <laughs> <laughs> on site recording. I'm like, what am I drinking? He's like, gin, vodka. I don't know what it is anymore. I'm happy. It tastes good. It was fun. And, uh, but, but what was interesting, he, I mean, he battled to become the first distillery. Wow. I mean, it was like legal. I mean, you, when you talk about red tape, what wineries go through, restaurants go through, liquor licensing, that is, crazy stuff to go through and then he decided well i want to serve cocktails because he does bourbon or not i shouldn't say he does whickey vodka gin you know whatever he can distill he -hmm. will and he had to go back through the whole system again which could also threaten being a distillery to be able to serve cocktails but he won and so he does it and it's cool Mm -hmm. and everyone should go there Uh, it's i like going to distilleries because it's i think it's part of American history. It, it is. It really is. 
Uh-huh. Um, so I, I love that you you went there and um, but this is a liquor license and and I mean that's crazy. But now, okay, Hotel Boldorado. Is that like downtown, downtown? Like what what was that like? Yes. Um, it's in the historic downtown area and there's, it's like a couple blocks, um, probably north or east of the pedestrian mall there. Mm-hmm. And it's on a main corner and you can imagine the horse and buggies going around the corner and stuff. And it's near the, uh, Boulder theater. And I was in, a fourth floor corner suite and at night I could see you know they lit up the um, boulder theater and that was my nighttime view out the window and of course I'm I'm kind of one of these people that sits on the windowsill and looks out and look at the world going by but the mornings there the the dawn was remarkable the sky would light up from the bottom orange and pink and Mm. it was i loved that part of it photographer haven oh yeah yeah Mm. and um i had a suite um so it was on the corner on the fourth floor and this property has a stained glass ceiling in the lobby and it's gone through some iterations and I thought it was open to the sky. Well, it's not. Um, and I, I've written all about that in one of the articles that mm-hmm. are linked on my website. So that's very historic. The spruce farm and fish, that is the original restaurant. And there's an addition, um, on the outside of it. So you can see the original bricks. That's where I ate my dinner. And so they've enclosed that to make that a little bit bigger. But it's the original flooring, the original stained glass door. And they really are preserving history. They have a historian there. She's worked there for 40 years. And they have all sort of memorabilia in the lobby and uh, in alcoves all over the place. The second floor, visitors can just go up and tour the second floor. They have photographs of original buildings and the building and the street and that. So it's very convenient. It's actually in a residential neighborhood on the corner of the built up industry. So it's in a unique place and it feels very warm and welcoming and comfortable and just a couple blocks away you can um walk on the pedestrian mall which is several blocks long and they have all sorts of shops and public art and playground areas for kids and oh some of the best Spanish tapas that I've ever had. Of course, I haven't had that much, but um, I ate at Corita, which is a restaurant there, and I went specifically to try the uh, the happy hour, and they serve small plates, Spanish tapas, mm. and the view from the it's the fourth floor. Uh, the view you can sit outside. 
with under umbrellas, the weather was incredibly perfect when I was there. The leaves on all the trees were golden and red, burnished colors. And uh, they also had just installed for the season their globes. Uh, they, they put them up in time for parents weekend for the college there. And, oh, um, cool. uh, they're globes that are little, like little houses mm-hmm. that seat up to six people, four people comfortably, but you could squeeze six in there. And so you can dine outside in the colder days and during the winter and still be outside and see the scenery and it overlooks the flat irons mm. those are the rock formations of of course it's part of the rockies but um it's a i'll say a small mountain range and they're flat and they're called the flat irons because the pioneer women said they looked like the flat irons that they used to iron their clothes so that's how the flat irons got their name in when the pioneers came out. So what I wanted to ask you, so they, I mean, this, what's interesting about this trip, it seems that you have these really architecturally interesting areas, whether it's new or older architecture mm-hmm. along with scenery and then really good food to photograph. So as a photographer, it seems like, these experiences i mean and the public art is always fun to photograph right it's mm-hmm. like art on art you know right. so it's this had to be kind of a joy ride for you i love a road trip and every single road trip includes luxury lodging where i can when i can um extremely fine food and wine pairings and the scenery and I also consider public art because Ooh, yeah. when I work with my PR companies or my destination marketing organizations, some of the, the things that are always on my list, public art, parks, outdoors, and food and beverage and luxury lodging. So I so I can tell a complete story. So if someone goes on this road trip, they'll have a little bit of everything. You know, so the one thing too, you know, that that's something like, I think a, a good thing, because, you know, we're on a show with the International Food Wine Travel Writers Association is that's part of it too. They help you kind of set up these trips, you know, as, as have you been on an IFTWA uh, press trip before? I have member? not. I have not. Not yet. Not mm-hmm. yet. You no. never know. Well, you never know. Um, I've applied to some, but um, I really prefer doing an individualized road trip or a trip mm-hmm. on my own, um, it, I just feel I can go at my own pace. Yeah. A lot of writers are like that. You know, it's like in, in photographers, like I want my own, but I think they're great on getting communication, like having connections. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, that's, that's one of the things with IFTWA. It's like you can either go on a group press trip, um, or go solo. I'm a kind of solo person. Cause I mean, we're all road, if you're a road tripper, like you got to, do it according to what you're doing, you know, right. getting all the things in you want to go on. Um, I don't want to leave without talking about Golden okay. um, because that seems like that you you had a lot of good times there and you went to Table Mountain Inn and 
you know, Table Mountain to me, I, as soon as I hear Table Mountain, I think of South Africa where I used to live in, in Cape Town. And, uh, but you know, every country has Table Mountains and Table oh. Mountains are mind blowing <laughs> because it is, you look at it going like you could just go put a tablecloth on exactly. and sit down and, and eat if you're a giant. You right. know? <laughs> it's amazing. Well, Golden was my first introduction. I don't want to say my first time in Colorado, but it was my introduction to this area of Colorado. And of course, the weather couldn't have been better. It was absolutely gorgeous. And the room that or I was in a suite and it overlooked Table Mountain and and Coors, they're in a little valley at the bottom of Table Mountain, and it's like a giant billboard, so you can't help but understand that Coors is very uh, notable there. And um, the Table Mountain Grill, I did interview the chef there as well, and very interesting uh, career, and his goals for the restaurant and I because I'm also doing an article on other places to eat in these destinations so I also visited the Sherpa house which is more than just a restaurant it is like a museum and an information center where you can learn about Nepal and see the gorgeous architecture. And, um, and I, when I go to restaurants like that, that are outside of the norm that I usually eat, I like to try their signature dish or something that I would not normally have. And I ordered yak in a it was like a yak stew oh wow and and i think someday i'd like to go to mongolia but i don't know if i could drink the yak milk or do that well yak tasted had a texture between pork and beef and the taste was similar to a very light beef and and or Mm. pork so um, so I really enjoyed that. Um, Golden Mill is a food hall. Oh, another one. Cool. Another one. But what's unique about this place? Well, of course, it started out as a gin mill or gin mill, uh, a mill for grain, You're grinding the grain in mm-hmm. their history. And what they have, and I'd never seen it anywhere before, is they have taps for beer on the wall and you you check in at the front desk you give them your credit card and they give you a card and you pour your own beer or sake or wine you just pull on the tap and you measure it in ounces and that's a blast because how many times have you gone to a bar i don't if you order beer and you order it on mm-hmm. draft and they're always pulling on those taps. I've always wanted to do that. So at this place you can, they have bartenders there to help you uh, with the first one. But um, I was eating Japanese food. So I had to have sake and you got to be careful because that the, the liquid comes out <laughs> pretty fast, but it was good. That was fun. Also in golden, they have 
a lot of historical sites, the Colorado Railroad Museum, they actually have a really, an old, um, steam engine, steam, and they, they give people rides around the complex. It's like a couple blocks. And so, uh, that's, that's fun. I didn't go on the ride, but I did go to that museum and the Colorado School of Mines. You would think there'd be just like miners there, but I guess they have a really great football team, which I learned from the executive chef at the Table Mountain Inn. So that's a big deal there. And Lookout Mountain, I am afraid of heights. And even Mm -hmm. in a car on this two-lane narrow road, I got almost to the top of Lookout Mountain. But they were hang glide, and they hang glide all over town. But uh, because they're up on that mountain, it's like they're soaring like eagles over over the whole mountain. And that was so interesting to watch. I would never do it, but um, it was interesting watching the people. That's and cool, though. One other thing, one other term that I learned when I was there, I heard people talking about the front range. And Mm -hmm. so, of course, I asked, what's the front range? Well, that's where the plains meet the Rockies. So the front range is where the ground slopes up and goes into the Rocky Mountains. I think Mm -hmm. that was probably interesting. So, yeah, no, I think that is, it is, well, it's really interesting about how you know, that plateau happens, you know, when you think mm-hmm. about the the Rocky Mountains coming through and then they have the Colorado Plateau, Colorado River Plateau, and, you know, kind of mm-hmm. all moves together. And then you've got the plains like you're talking about, which yeah. is really interesting. I mean, you, you forget that, you know, Colorado has the plains and they do have, you know, buffalo, I should say bison out there, excuse me, mm-hmm. and pronghorn. Um, you know, we've been through a lot of that area, which is really fascinating. But um, I would say let people know Table Mountain Inn, that's a place to stay yes. when you go there. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. Um, so you had a good road trip. I do want to tell everyone, I did research it. Um, Boulder, Colorado had the first marijuana dispensary in the country. There we go. <laughs> oh, my different gosh. Places. Boulder, I had to. I had to look it up and let people know, uh-huh. you know. But it, but this is a thing, too. It, and just because it may be legal doesn't mean you can smoke it in your hotel room. The smoking laws apply when you're traveling and lodgings. I've read so many articles about hoteliers getting so mad, like, please don't smoke it in my room. Like, you're right. ruining my room. So it's just a thing to think of um, because, you know, you've been in hotels where you can smell it. You can smell it in parking lots. Oh, yeah. People in their cars, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Nancy and I recently were on a road trip in um, this one town that we hadn't been to out in the southwest. Needles, California, everybody um, didn't have all these dispensaries. But literally, this town became a hub of dispensaries all around Colorado River and across the border into Arizona. I don't know. But they was Mm. one dispensary after the other. We finally got onto the highway and I looked at Nancy and went, oh, my God, the car smells like weed. We smell like weed. <laughs> and all, you know what she's doing? She's giggling. I'm like, do you have a contact high from driving around these dispensaries? Like, what is going on? They're going to pull us over. We're going to get in trouble. And she just thinks this is the happiest thing. She's like, this is the best part of the trip. And I'm like, well, apparently you're having a trip. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but, 
but it's it's really funny as travelers you know and you know it's it's and travel writers are now going on you know cannabis tasting trips so oh yes i don't i haven't done that yet but if I, I haven't do, either you're going to hear a lot of giggles from me. I know that fact. Yeah. It's going to happen. So, you know, but it, it's an interesting time, you know, with, with, you know, being on the road and traveling. But um, everyone, again, uh, go to phototravelright.com. Of course, you go to iftwa.org as well, ifwtwa.org for the International Food One Travel Writers Association. We love doing our shows with them because we always get to go on these amazing destinations, whether they're around the world or across the country like Julie's doing. So always fun. But thank you. It's so good to hear from you again, Julie. And thank you, Lisa. It's been great. I love talking to you. Everything always comes out so naturally when I talk to you about my travels. Yeah, well, you have a good time on your travels. That's right. I mean, I know. Look at these. Road tripping, right? It's fun. Road tripping. Absolutely. We're all part of the travel. Well, thank you so much. And everyone, happy travels. Thank you for listening to Big Blend Radio's Food, Wine, and Travel Show featuring members of the International Food, Wine, Travel Writers Association. We encourage you to visit their website. We say IFTWA, which is IFW. TWA.org. You can also follow us at BigBlendRadio.com. Happy travels, everyone!